The following information is for educational use only and should not be construed as medical advice. Hello everyone, and welcome to the first real episode of Doc, Not Doctor. I want you to do me a favor. Picture yourself with a patient who's lost their left arm. A hasty tourniquet was applied before they are brought into you, and it seems to be working. You do a blood sweep and determine that there's no other major wounds. Your patient's screaming in pain. There's a battle going on outside, but you have good cover from where you're at. What's your next step? When you get to pain management, how do you choose between morphine, fentanyl, and ketamine? And what dose would you give and how often? What happens if your patient tells you they feel like they're going to vomit? Would you give anything for that? And if so, what dose? What if a different patient comes in and tells you they've taken some shrapnel, but they don't feel like they're hurt that bad? Would you do anything for that patient or just send them back out the door? In this episode, we're going to go over the TC3 standards for analgesia, antibiotics, and other medications given during tactical combat casualty care. The first medication on the list is acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol. The Committee on Tactical Combat Casualty Care, COTSI, recommends two 650mg bilayer caplets PO every 8 hours for mild to moderate pain. Since this medication is given PO, the patient of course has to be able to swallow. This is only given for patients that are still able to fight. COTSI recommends that all soldiers carry their first dose of acetaminophen and self-administer once they're injured, or whenever they can, so that ideally you shouldn't have to give out the first dose, but I can't imagine that being how things actually play out. The second medication on the list is Meloxicam, also known as Mobic. Like Tylenol, it's given to patients in moderate to severe pain that are still able to fight. It's recommended to give it in conjunction with Tylenol, but it's only given 15 milligrams once per day. Unlike Tylenol, it's given three times per day. Uh, like acetaminophen, Kotsi recommends that all soldiers carry their first dose of meloxicam on them. And the reason that they cite for recommending these two medications and not other NSAIDs, such as Tordol, aspirin, and ibuprofen, is that they don't interfere with platelet function. The third medication Kotsi recommends for pain is fentanyl, which is an opioid that comes in an 800 microgram lollipop. It comes in other rates of administration, but as far as TC3 is concerned, the 800 microgram lollipop is the only one they recommend. It's good for patients in moderate to severe pain who are not in shock, don't show signs of respiratory distress, and don't appear to be at risk for developing either one of those. And another contraindication for this is severe head injury, which of course includes patients who have lost consciousness due to trauma. When reading about fentanyl, you may see the abbreviation OTFC used. That stands for oral transmucosal fentanyl citrate, but most often you're just going to hear people refer to it as fentanyl. Most army sources recommend giving this by taping it to the patient's finger and letting it sit in their cheek well to be absorbed transmucosally until they lose consciousness, at which point it will fall out. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to make sure the patient does not receive too much of this medication. An effect of fentanyl is respiratory depression, and it will occur if the patient receives too much. I personally think it is a really good idea to have someone sitting there, or at least check back with the patients every couple minutes or so to make sure that none of them have lost consciousness with a fentanyl lollipop in their mouth. If this happens soon after respiratory depression, you go into respiratory arrest, and then death. 
so don't let it happen. The next medication on our list is ketamine. COPSI recommends fentanyl over ketamine unless the patient is either in or at risk of going into shock or respiratory distress or if they have a head injury, as noted before. Ketamine can be given in 50 mg increments, either intramuscular or intranasally, with repeat doses every 30 minutes as needed, or in 20 mg doses, either IV or IO, with repeat doses every 20 minutes as needed. Continue to administer ketamine until the pain is controlled or until an astigmas is noted in the eyes. Just for review, nystigmus can present as either involuntary frequent eye movement in the same direction or the inability to track motion such as a finger smoothly. If you want to see an example of this, ask an intoxicated friend to track motion and you'll see their eyes jump from one spot to the next rather than smooth movement of their eyes. Previous versions of TC3 advised against ketamine in patients with ocular injuries. However, the current version does allow it. The fear was that ketamine would cause an increase in intraocular pressure, and that could either cause or exacerbate existing eye injuries. However, the data have shown that that doesn't actually turn out to be the case, which is why current TC3 standards allow ketamine to be used even in patients with eye injuries. The final pain med that we're going to go over is an opiate morphine. Older medics may recall previous recommendations for intramuscular morphine, but COTC's current recommendation for morphine is to give it 5 mg either IV or IO with repeat doses given every 10 minutes, and it's only given if you don't have fentanyl. Uh, fentanyl is preferred over morphine. Like fentanyl, morphine is not to be given patients at risk of developing shock or respiratory distress or with head injuries. COTSI also has an unconsciousness listed as a contraindicated for morphine and fentanyl, but these medications are for pain, and if your unconscious patient is complaining of pain, there's probably something seriously wrong with your patient assessment skills. Next on our list is naloxone, also known by its brand name Narcan. Naloxone is given for respiratory depression resulting from opioids or opiates. COTSI recommends giving 0.4 mg, either intramuscular or intravenously, but they omit any information regarding time of onset, when to administer subsequent doses, and guidance for reassessing the patient. As this episode is focusing on TC3 standards, I don't want to present information not covered in TC3 at this time, but I do plan on doing a podcast on naloxone in the near future, and that will give a little bit of guidance as far as naloxone is concerned. Seventh on our list is Ondansetron, also known by its brand name Zofran. It's given in 4mg doses every 8 hours, as needed for nausea and vomiting, which can be caused by high altitude, hypovolemia, hypotension, or some medications that we have in TC3, namely fentanyl, morphine, and lidocaine. Now, I know lidocaine isn't specifically mentioned as a medication in TC3. However, it's given along with ertapenem, an antibiotic that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. So if you administer ertapenem with lidocaine, it can cause nausea and vomiting, in which case you would need to give your patient 4 milligrams of ondansetron. 
TC3 allows ondansetron to be given intramuscularly, intravenously, intraosseously, or by an orally disintegrating tablet, abbreviated ODT. I do want to be clear that while oral ondansetron does exist, it's not recommended in TC3. An orally disintegrating tablet normally just sits under the tongue, and it's not meant to be chewed or swallowed. Make sure that your patient is clear on this. If you give them ondansetron, then they cannot chew it or swallow it. They just have to let it sit there. Next is moxfloxacin, a broad-spectrum oral antibiotic that should be given to soldiers with open wounds on the battlefield to fight infections before those infections are even detectable. TC3 recommends every soldier carry their own moxfloxacin in their combat pill pack and self-administer the medication once they've identified an open wound on themselves, even if it's just a small one. Educating them on this is your job as the medic, and repeat doses are given every 24 hours or until assessed by a higher level of care. Next up on our list is ertapenem. It's another broad-spectrum antibiotic. But this one is either given intramuscularly or intravenously via a 30-minute infusion to patients who are unable to swallow moxfloxacin for any reason. It's given doses of 1 gram every 24 hours until reassessed by a higher level of care, and if given IM, it needs to be given with 3.2 cc's of lidocaine in deep tissue. The final medication that we're going to go over is trinexamic acid, or TXA. TXA is given in two doses, both 1 gram and 100 milliliters of normal saline over a 10-minute time period. It's given for patients with penetrating torso trauma, hemorrhagic shock, limb amputations, and suspicion of major bleeding for any other reason. The first dose is given prior to fluid resuscitation, and the second dose given post-fluid resuscitation and it works by preventing the body from breaking down the clots that it naturally tries to form. Recall that TXA is both the earliest medication administered and possibly the last one. It begins during the fluid resuscitation phase. After that, TC3 recommends treatment and prevention of hypothermia, treating penetrating eye wounds, and electronic monitoring of patients, if available, before moving on to analgesia and antibiotics. At the beginning of this podcast, I asked you how you would treat different injuries, and I'm going to ask that again now. You have a patient with a left arm amputation, no other wounds, and a patent airway. What do you do next? According to TC3, a pulse check. Then, get IV access established, and administer 1 gram TXA in 100 milliliters of normal saline over 10 minutes, and additional fluids if needed. When you get to pain medication, it's okay if they've taken acetaminophen and meloxicam already, but those aren't going to do much for an amputated limb. Fentanyl and morphine aren't good choices because although the patient seems fine now, he or she may be in compensated shock. Fentanyl and morphine will help with the pain, but could also kill the patient. The recommended pain medication for this scenario is ketamine, either 50 mg intramuscular or intranasally, or you can give them 20 mg IV or IO. If the patient reports nausea, administer 4 mg on Dancitron through whatever route you see fit. 
and due to high probability of infection, also administer antibiotics. Moxfloxacin if the patient can swallow, or ertapenem if they can't. Don't forget that second dose of TXA administered the same way as the first. One final question. How would you treat the patient that comes in, reports a shrapnel wound, but denies pain? You should ensure that soldier takes moxfloxacin as well. If you have time, you can clean the wound, but that's outside the scope of this episode. I hope this review of medications has been helpful. I checked for an update of TC3 guidelines on analgesia on March 19th, 2020, and the latest info I could find was from January 19th, 2018. I tried to not go over too much info that wasn't in the TC3 guidelines, but I do plan on going over these meds more in depth later on. Anyways, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Doc, not Doctor.